was as if he kicked about three pounds of haggis that time because it hardly got off the ground. Three pounds of haggis. 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 Three pounds of haggis because it hardly got off the ground. Kia and Gordon Orvin from Today Radio, Studio 4 in Kirschberg, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport. You're with myself, Nathan Snaid, Scott Brown. It's the seventh, and Scott Brown. First time he's ever been sitting in a, in a, in a seat, by the way, tonight. And we're going we're to go into that, and I'm going to tell you why in a few minutes. I'll tell you the, why. The weather yeah, is bright, light, and beautiful. Guess what? It's show number 98. We're oh, nearing mama. that big ton. This time next week, will we have some sort of party crackers or some poppers in here? Going out after, aren't we? Okay, but out or out, out? Out, out. Out, out. All, All right. right. Okay. <laughs> so that'll be next Wednesday. Um, yeah, book your, uh, Wednesday, uh, book your Wednesday off, and you can, we'll tell you where you can come and meet us. Um, during each show, Scott and I, we provide analysis and update on the latest sports topic, topics, rather, both locally and internationally. We provide the updates, conduct some interviews, and we've had some pretty cool sports personalities along the way. Got another one tonight, haven't we? Absolutely amazing. We welcome back Julie Maynan, who joined us for show number 19. Back in the early days, wasn't that- it? 68 shows ago. 68, is it? Yeah, yeah 68. Yeah. I've already teed up my uh, my challenge, you know, for the next swimming race. There'll be uh, certain preferences, you know, put into place, you know, well, a few put- handicaps and stuff. We'll get, she can wear a weight round her waist or something, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting talking to Julie because she's uh, she's been out of the, well, she's, um, I guess she's still in the pool. I guess you can't take a, a fish out of water, but um, she's been a little bit out of the pool. We're going to talk about why she has, um, why she's been doing that, um, or why she hasn't been in the pool quite so much. So we're, yeah, just certainly going to dive into the story of um, an extraordinary individual who's made a splash in her respective field. And now I think she's doing very well out of the uh, out of the pond as well. So welcome back, Julie. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Very welcome. We've been uh, itching to get you back for some time. Um, it's busy, busy, haven't we? Well, busy, we've been busy, we've, busy. we've been wrong. I was just saying earlier that we have had a phenomenal amount of phenomenal. We've had a significant amount of swimmers in in, in between. We had um, uh, Julian Hanks. We had Julian Hanks. We had Mr. Sunshine the other the other week, David Steffers, yeah. who's actually a swimming a swimming coach, and then Pitt um, Pit Brandenburger. Pitt well, Brandenburger was in there. We um, da, 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 we had the long we had the long ultra long distance. Whoa, hey, Paul, 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 uh, yeah. Paul Kramer the other other week. Whoa, that's oh, a wow. that's a swimming yeah. a bit of a bit of a swimming. <laughs> You'd rather swimming race show, me. It? <laughs> it's shorter. <laughs> rather not get in the pool to be honest. But Julie, uh, we always kick things off. Uh, for those that didn't listen in before, just give us 30 seconds about yourself, what you're, well, I guess that's the beauty of this interview is it's going to dive into the what's, we're sort of going into something different now, but yeah, how did you get into swimming as a youngster and, and, and where did you go from there? Well, I I started swimming, my dad was actually the one to teach me swimming and we were in the south of France and I spent all my days in the pool, so nothing ever changed because up until October I think I spent every single day in the pool pretty much, but yeah, so I started like that, I had a friend who was swimming at a club and so 
I wanted to try it out. And they were saying that I was quite a good swimmer. So I just advanced and kept going. Uh, missed one group, went to the next one. And so it went pretty quick. I decided to go to university and swim there. And, and that, was in, that was in the States, wasn't it? Yes. Auburn. I was it Auburn? Auburn, right? yes. Yeah. We went to Auburn. I went to Auburn. You have to say it right. Auburn. You sound like an, Auburn. a pom, mate. Auburn. Auburn. America, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, is that Alabama? Auburn? Is it, it Alabama? is, yes. It's Forrest, uh, Forrest Gump territory, isn't it? I may not it be is. a smart man. On Sunday night, whilst you were giving the show, I was at a particular arena in the south of Spain, and I was sitting next to someone who went to Auburn University in Alabama. I thought you were going to say he sat next to Tom Hanks or no. something. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest Gump. There's a few other people running in that arena where I was, I can tell you. People from Auburn like to wear the gear. They like to know that you come from Auburn. And you got to say War Eagle to them. War it's Eagle. It's like a saying. Is it? What yeah. does it mean? War Eagle. It's our... Well, our mascot is an eagle, so they just say war eagle. Ah. And then funny, you say it back. It's, it's funny you say that. I don't know if that's, um, and don't take this the wrong way, I don't know if that'd be specific to that university, the wearing the, the gear and stuff, because I was on the way back from Rome, I was at that, that Cobus Games, and we were on the flight, and um, one of the girls I teach with, uh, Steffi Destrom, she's a uh, basketballer, and she went to University of Florida, now, the University of Florida logo is like, obviously, is you, but it's part green and part orange. You sort of, you would recognise it. And I basically said, I, I think I was down at the front of the plane, I'd gone to the toilet and walked back and there was this big bloke and he was wearing a university, University of Florida, uh, I think he was wearing a track top or something. And I said, oh, Steph, did you speak to your man? And she's like, no, why would I? I was wearing Florida University. And honestly, the excitement, she's like, is he actually? Is he actually? <laughs> <laughs> On the on the, so you're uh, saying it's like an American thing they love. Well, I don't know if it's an American thing, but it's sort of that you know it's um it it sort of gives you an immediate talking point to someone because you could go up to someone. Oh, did you go to Auburn? Yeah. Oh, when did you go? Oh, they'll know someone that knows someone that knows you probably something like that. Yeah. So I remember telling a funny one about my old boy. Um, dad, they went out to America, and they were actually going over to what do you call the prison? on the island Alcatraz where's that San Francisco San, isn't it San Francisco. San Francisco so after going to the more important place which is seeing Mrs Doubtfire's house you all know what I'm talking about mm -hmm. after that they went out to the prison and this guy sat next to him on the boat and the old man was wearing a rugby shirt and this yank came up to him and was like sir I couldn't help but notice your rugby attire and like if someone comes up to you it's just like oh my goodness but obviously my mum and dad thought mum and brother thought it was hilarious and dad just got nosed by this bloke for like 20 minutes on the no, way over but to that's me. the good thing about Americans because they love their sport don't they yeah. and I think I really hope Luxembourg look look, look to that frame and, and what they do in America through schools through universities as well because it's yeah it's really really cool so when you say that um, coming back to Auburn they will, they will just wear the warbird so, yeah, we have a lot of our gear actually has an eagle on it, and it's the representation. I mean, we are tigers. They call us Auburn Tigers. So there's, like, eagle, tiger in between, but every football game there's an eagle that flies around the field. And people love it. Okay. Yeah, and we have statues of eagles and all of that. So. Who, who, are your, who would the rivals be of Auburn? Oh, Florida or the University of Alabama. That's even worse. Auburn yeah. against Alabama is a... So that's, like, that's a, a derby, so to speak. Yeah. 
yeah. when you when you have love a, have love a, a big rivalry, don't we? Don't we? Um, Julie, we'll get into the crux of the uh, I don't want to say the interview, but more of a catch up to see how things are going since we last spoke to you. But we always kick the show off with a few. Uh, well, it's changed. We didn't do it. I don't think we were doing no, um, no, do, no, no, doing no. this in the. It shows how the fo- the show has evolved. Nathan, yeah, the, the, the involvement of the show. So we uh, good thing our partners show, are listening in. Yeah, Hopefully actually, look at that in as well. On time, sport in the history of the world today. Today in 1860, German football club TSV, what do they call it, TSV, is that TSV, 1860, Mutchen is founded. Now the club has won two Bundesliga titles, it's won DF, uh, one uh, Pokal, which is a cup, and it's also won three Bundesliga Zwei titles. Yeah, Zwei. Yeah, now they have a strong rivalry with obviously FC Bayern uh, Munich, which is also known as the Munich Derby or the Derby of Hearts. They play at the Allianz Arena, which they currently share with uh, with with Bayern as well, they've got a passionate fan ba- fan base known as the, the Leuven, which is obviously Lions, who are well known. Stolen the- from Luxembourg, obviously. Yeah, I wonder if they're the Red Leuven. Well, there's Leuven Brow comes from down there, doesn't it? I wonder if they're the Blue Lions. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. There you go. I, um, moving on a little bit. Well, only um, 35 years later, in 1895, W. G. Grace he completed, which I, I love numbers, his 100th 100. What his one hundredth, one hundred versus Somerset? Just say his one hundredth century. That would be easier to say, wouldn't it? Yeah, but one hundredth, hundredth is pretty cool. Yeah, but century. It's a cricket term. You just say well, he's good at. Mm. Or his hundredth ton. Hundredth ton. Yeah, there we go. That, anyway, that sounds a little bit. That. that sounds a little bit better. But uh, Mr. W. G. Grace, he was one of the greatest and most influential cricketers of all time. He played for England from 1880 to 1899, and he scored over 54,000 runs and took over 2,800 wickets in first-class cricket. He, he was known for his aggressive batting style and ability to imp- improvise. He was um, off the field. He's also a doctor and a prominent figure for the development of cricket in England. I remember reading. You read funny stories about these old pros, and you got to remember. This is what is it? Well, 150 years ago, yep. and there was a story that once he got given out by an umpire, and he refused to walk, and told the umpire that everybody here was here to watch him bat and not watch the umpire <laughs> make decisions and stuff. <laughs> that was that was that was his, his comment. His what a legend, huh? Yeah, what a legend. Uh, this is a bit. This is a bit of a. What, um, well, a bit of an awkward one, but Michigan State University will pay $500 million in claims to 300 survivors of sexual abuse involving Larry Nasser. I mean, obviously, that was quite a high-profile thing a few uh, yep. few few years ago, and it's, you know, it's the largest um, abuse case in, in sports history, and it's, it's just one of those things. It's, uh, I think, with everything that's evolved now in the last 10, 20, 30 years, you know, even when we go into the, the, uh, the reins of social media and stuff like that, you can't get away with stuff like that anymore because a lot of the this sort of hap, hap, this sort of stuff happens and there is you know it's not documented and unfortunately it takes an incident like this to really mean that everyone has to look back and, and readdress how they approach things how they how they do things and stuff like that isn't it oh, very much so we talked about involvement and it, and it is that you would have been uh, Julie you would have been in the US around that time 2018 uh, yes, I was. I was there. I was there from sixteen to twenty-one. So I remember this. It was quite big. It was huge, but I mean, this was by far one of the the worst cases we've seen. But it happens a lot in NCAA sports, and and the rules always get stricter and it gets more difficult. But 
at the same time, they're trying to protect the athletes, which is the most most important. Most, most important. Just just to jump in, I'm going to. This has just popped into my head. When were you you were there? You finished in 2021. Yes, I graduated in 2020, but because of the Olympics, I stayed there. For uh, oh, okay, okay. So um, there's one one high profile sort of situation in swimming. You've probably seen the, uh, I guess, the momentum gathering around this whole Leah Thomas, um, who's the transgender swimmer. Have you have you had any experience of that? Like, uh, where where was where 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 was she at university? trying to think off the top of my head i'm just asking because you're out there at that sort of time and it's something that is pretty low key but now this whole you know the the transgender mm. uh oh, well fina, PCI, say. fina have now have now stopped trans women from competing in in um yeah in women's races haven't they the, mm. with uh athletics but yeah just to go back to you, julie did you ever is that well, something that was ever was, ever came up in conversation was, at meets and stuff like that? It or? was right after. I, I graduated from college in 2020 and it was during the pandemic that it was such a big deal. And then I remember the year after she competed and it was extremely tough for the girls. I remember them coming back from SECs and NCAAs and they were talking about it and they were quite... I mean, frustrated, but also shocked about, you know, you, you have to share a locker room with with her and it's different. She's she, Technically, she's still, I mean, I don't want to say it, but she's biologically, she's a man and sharing a locker room with her already is tough. Then competing against her, knowing that she's biologically a man, she's stronger, she's taller. And I mean, we know all about the differences between men and women. And that's why we do not compete together because it's unfair. And I remember a lot of girls coming back and and they were extremely upset. And I don't remember the girl um, who actually lost to her. She, she was, she was very public about it and she struggled for a very long time still today. I, I was, I watched something, uh, recently and I think I know the girl you're referring to and she talked about how you're, um, you know, you're, as I said, you're sharing the locker room, uh, with them, but then also a case of didn't, didn't they tie or something, but they only had one trophy. So they let this Leah Thomas take the trophy and, you know, there wasn't really, you know, it seems like a bit, a bit out of date with that sort of thing or that old school sort of thing. But like, you know, Judy, you probably, you know, can relate to this, but if I put my coaching hat on and I'm presented with a situation like this, it's not even a second thought. It's like, well, no, you just get changed in a different changing room, you know, for something like that. You know, if you know, that's, that that solves the okay, problem so what, straight so away. So you're saying you put people, you you, you place people into the changing room yeah. based you know, on based you know, on whether yeah, they've got. A- it's naive. You know what you're doing. You mm. know what you know the 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 storm that's coming by making the decision to allow you mm. know um, this swimmer to change with the. Well, especially because they make the rules so strict, and there are tons of rules that the NCAA created, like that protects us and sometimes they're even a little ridiculous in my eyes but then you have this and you question why are they not doing anything about this why are they letting this happen and it's it's a very difficult topic and i'm actually extremely happy that they did ban transgender people from competing against women because it is not fair regardless of how good they are in their sport and of course i i am not the person who's going to say these people cannot compete not at all 
I I think it's awesome that they're still competing, but just not against women because it's just not it's fair. Just, it's just not fair. But why didn't the you know you don't you won't know the answer? But um, when the when the you know gun was about to go off to jump into the uh, jump into the pond, why did the 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 rest of the competitors not just not jump in and let Leah go Leah go by herself? Well, I think you 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 train so hard that you. We always say that you deserve your spot in the final. So you race your heats or your semifinal, and then you get your spot, right? Because before that, when you you do your heats, nobody's going to know who's going to end up in the final, right? You have to race in order to get your spot. It's not like you're already pre-qualified and you're good, you can go. No, anything can happen. So these people really fight for their spot. And once you have a spot in your final, it means so much. And you don't just compete for yourself. You compete for your university. So you don't want to let them down. So you just do your job and you try to compete against everyone. Who's so, so it's fair to say it just becomes it's, it's autonomous to... Yeah, it's it's a race, it's a competition, so you just go for it. And actually, it doesn't matter who who you're up against, you want to win, right? Exactly, whether you're the tallest or shortest, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, you don't question that, you just go for it. it. Would it be different, and sorry, I'm playing devil's advocate here, if uh, Leah Thomas hadn't been, you know, turning over the numbers in terms of the times that she was registering, would that have made it different, would you, do you think? Well, I think that, the difference between men and women in swimming is quite big. I have to say, we're not talking about tens of a second or even hundreds. There are seconds. And even if you're not, there's so many people swimming. So even if you're not in the top 100, compared to women, you're still going to be able to race with them. And I think at the end of the day for Leah Thomas too, it's a competition, right? Otherwise, she wouldn't be standing there if she cannot give her best at the end of the day then I don't think she would have pleasure in racing. So, you know, it's it's a it's a tricky situation, but Yeah, it's a tricky situation for her because she prob- she wants to she wants to race as well. Yeah, and I, I I think that for her standing on that podium was a quite difficult situation. Even now people talk about it all the time, still today, and I mean I feel bad for her. I do, but at the end of the day, if you look on the paper it's just not correct. And that's why I think it, it shouldn't be allowed. Just just to bounce over, there, I think the most important thing you said there was it's not fair, and that's ultimately why you you know. That's, it's like that, doping. That, it's not fair, yeah. so we ban it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, which begs the, always begs the question: Should you just let everybody dope and just let everybody, you know, go? It doesn't matter what go, your gender, just all piling and, and yeah. see, and see who it. it is. But <laughs> but again, at least there would be, you know, even with that, there'd have to be some sort of restrictions in place to make sure it was it was consistent. And as you say, fair. But yeah, I'm I'm a big, uh, you know, I think that what's happened now. I think you're going to see a lot of these international governing bodies changing their policies we I spoke about it with Gav I had Gavin Love on on Sunday night and we sort of touched on it and look there's no there's no hiding away from this subject you know just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean it's it's, it's not going away um but you know if you're um if, if you need a, a certain classification to allow you know transgender athletes to compete in then go you know go let 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 them do that there's nothing there's nothing against that but all of a sudden when it's as you say, male versus females and stuff in the same thing is there are, you know, the, 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 even 
just without really diving into it, like the physiological aspects of it and stuff like that is, you know, to be, to, to have people tell you, oh, after you have your gender, you know, hormone therapy, therapy, that the, the, uh, the, uh, the advancements are, I'm trying to think of the word, are sort of regressed. I don't really, I don't buy that, you know, um, is it going to make you shorter? No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. You know, is it going to, you know, decrease your muscle mass, your bone density? No, I don't think so. Is it going to reduce the size of your heart, your lungs, your capacity, your aerobic capacity? No, I don't think so. You know, uh, and if you are listening in, prove me wrong. You know, I'll happily, I'll happily, <laughs> happily talk well, to anybody well, about it. You know, and again, I'm. You just read what's in the media and stuff, and we we come up with our own. Own assumption. Our own opinion. The knife and the the knife and the jugular, or or should I say, the critique in better words, the critique I have of the NCAA is when there was actually a, a draw, a, a, a tie. They gave the medal for all it's worth to Leia and not to the other not to the other athlete. That's just like, why not give a medal to each if they both got a tie? What would, I mean, that's, that, that's a rare. I mean, I mean, did they get a better? Did, did she get a bit better uh, qualifying time? Perhaps I don't. I don't know. But technically, strange. they always have extras, so I don't even understand why. Because sometimes there is a tie, regardless <laughs> if she's transgender or not. Yeah, it happens. There are ties, and then you got to anticipate and. But, order more awards yeah. or medals or whatever it is so it's actually quite shocking to but me that, one, get, that was one gets it that's the not for me that's the knife in the jacket but, but like uh, forgive me if i'm wrong here but uh when you you go to these meets okay you 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 finish your final okay you've won but you've tied with um i don't know uh, another female competitor, let's say. I was going to make up some stupid name there, but I won't. Let's just say <laughs> another competitor. And they know uh, they don't have enough medals. So, and I'm just looking at it from the outside. I just go, here, Julie, obviously we didn't expect two of you to win. This is a gold medal, uh, such and such. This is a gold medal. Here you go. We want to get them back and then we'll get the others out to you. But you will still get to stand up on the podium and be presented with your medal. Pretty simple. Oh, it's the, you know, logically, I think yeah. that would be the thing to do, no? Yeah, and I yeah. think you'd be like... Pretty simple. I get it. Just be just be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, just be honest. What are you going to do? Stand up there with... with or just... Miss Thomas and be this, like, yeah, explains, you, you have it. Explain this to a girl who wins in a different o- event. So it's not against Leah. So it doesn't validate how this girl felt. Because, yeah, I'm sure she knew that she was going to race against her. And she knew this before that... It wasn't fair, but just putting her on that podium and not giving her that medal, even though she won, even if she had to share it, she still won. That just validated how she felt. And I think that made it so much worse for her because it was a win for her. And I don't think she feels like she won that race. Yeah. Look, I just, I, I don't want to just be talking about awkward topics and stuff like that tonight. And I tell you what, you, Julie's been thrown under yeah, the bus with awkward big, topics. Big time. <laughs> Sorry, you know, can, I'll just put some music on and we can chat about it just amongst ourselves. But um, obviously, you know, Julie, you've been at the top of the game in, uh, you know, in Luxembourg. You've been to, you've been to the Olympics. You know, um, we were joking around this. You've also got a picture with Sunny Bill Williams. You know, <laughs> I do. Jealous, man crush, um, and then you know you've you've I guess you've dedicated certainly um, a large part of your younger life to to swimming, um, but we've we've had a a change of I guess our path's taken a a different route now, sir. So, so talk us through if if you're comfortable, just talk us through where that decision came about and and what you're up to now. 
Well, honestly, I so I was in, in the U.S. for a long time. I finished my studies, and then because the Olympics got pushed back, I stayed there. And then because of the coaching change in the U.S., it's extremely difficult because uh, coaches, they always move around. So sometimes, you know, they'll finish a year, and then they'll find another position, and they'll go there. But most of the time when the head coach leaves – it's a whole new staff. So during my four years of college, I had three full coaching changes. Wow. And it's a lot. And especially it happened, well, the pandemic was extremely difficult. I, We were told in September that we could not uh, train with the team. And so we had to train separately. And then by the time the college season was over... Um, the whole coaching staff was changed. So we lost our coaches two months before the Olympics. And so that was extremely tough. And I said after that, I said, I want a stable environment. If I want to go to Paris, I want to have a coach that I know for sure he will walk this road with me till the end, till Paris, and then whatever happens after that's fine. But I needed someone who was going to stick with me for until Paris. Yeah. And so I said, okay, I'm, I worry about this in the US because obviously we always tra train at universities and just wasn't doable. So I decided to come back and I was also homesick because of this whole pandemic. So I wanted to come back. Now, when I came back, obviously college was done. So what was next was probably was working and so I started to work because financially I just couldn't support myself I mean today we are here and you cannot in Luxembourg you can be an amateur in your sports that's absolutely no problem but if you want to be a professional athlete that just doesn't exist here it you cannot do it it's <laughs> impossible you would live on the streets or you have to rely on family which not everybody has that possibility so it's extremely tough so just just i'm just going to jump in there really quickly and it's i'm, I'm glad you've made that that um you know uh, acknowledge that point between the difference between amateur and professional because um on paper amateur is you don't get paid for what you do professional is obviously the opposite but nathan I've been paid to play rugby, but largely my playing career was not as a professional because I didn't earn enough money to support myself solely from rugby. Would you be the same yeah, about squash? Yeah, from squash, you know, unless you're in the top 30 in the world, you're not really going to make yeah. it. Yes, you could, you, of course, you get money from, uh, the, well, from a New Zealander, you get money from the New Zealand gov government, the, the sports uh, foundation, let's say, and that will be depending on your on your world ranking. I, I, I can't remember, it might, it might be 30, 20, 30,000 a year, depending on your world ranking. And then, yeah. and then obviously you've got all these other, let's say, sponsorships that supplement it. You might get a car. Sometimes it depends on who the sponsor is. So you can make a living out of it, but the longevity of that is is not long. You're best going to study and things like that. Can I just ask you a good question, Julie? If you were to race, let's say in Metz or Paris, just in a or, or CM CM, just as an example, do you get and you and you and you win your uh, and you win the fifty or hundred meter freestyle because that's just that's your strength? Would you get 
50 bucks, 100 bucks for, for the race? So, yes, at the moment you do. It depends on the competition. There is some prize money, but again, we maybe race one or two races. So, at the most, what you get two, three hundred bucks, and yeah. that's it. Now, we, I train, I mean, I train, I really just, sw- just speaking about swimming and lifting and all of that, I did around 30 hours a week. And not even counting the rehabilitation, the recovery, the mental coach, whatever is left on the side. That doesn't even add up to it. And so we have to, in order to get to the Olympics, really, you have to commit. You have to do your sport seriously and you have to do things the right way. And not just a couple of things. You got to do everything right. Now, if... I have a 40-week schedule, 40-hour week schedule where I train and I do everything perfectly. And then I also have to work on the side. That just doesn't it's add up. Impossible. It, it doesn't work. I tried it for a couple of months and I was dead. I couldn't function. My coach every day he had to adapt my tra- practices because I just didn't have the energy. Now, you can train maybe twice a day and in between your practices you go to work but that's supposed to be where you recover. And we're not robots here. You have to also stop at a certain point. You have to take care of your body to be in shape yeah. again, to feel better the next day. And that just doesn't work, combining both. Just, uh, we'll, we'll come back to this point in a second, but just, so just uh, sorry, we're, we're jumping around a little bit here, but just no, going back to what you were talking about before I rudely interrupted you, but you were talking about how your yeah you know if you wanted to commit to paris you wanted the same you wanted the same coach with you um you know for for that journey that part of your journey if you like now presumably that's not what's happened is the so i when i came here we have two national <coughs> coaches at the moment and so i i gave it a try now again the in sports it's difficult right it's you have a coach and he can be the best coach in the world. He can have produced an Olympic athlete, a gold medalist, but that doesn't mean that he will be the best coach for you. Now, you each athlete is individual again, so you have to figure out what works best with, with you. And so not every coach has the same ideas. Everybody does something different. Everybody has different... Uh, ways of working and so you gotta figure out what works and so I tried uh, our national coach Arslan and I decided that I needed to try something else so then I went with Christophe our other national coach and it was awesome I mean both coaches they're great but I was just lacking um, compared to the US let's say our the way we can train, the, the professionalism is just a lot, it's better, right? You go, you do your practice, you can have an ice bath set up afterward, you do your ice bath, then you, your coach knows what you do in the gym, your gym coach knows what you do in the water. There's a link, everybody communicates, it works. Here, it's you have your swim coach, then he's most likely also your lifting coach, which already... If you're talking about the Olympics, how can that be possible? You can't do both. You can't, yeah, you can't be a jack of all trades. You know, you've got to be a master of... Yeah, and then mastering. who's there to support your nutrition? Who's there to do your rehabilitation? Who's there, which physio you go to? And none of these ever communicate. It just 
doesn't work. You work with one person, then you work with another person. And that's just a system. It's quite upsetting. It's sad because it needs to be connected at the end of the day. Sounds a bit, sounds a bit old school. Bit old. Well, uh, uh, old fashioned. You, you've got an athlete here who's just been, at, you know, and we've all talked about it pretty much week in and week out. How admire, you know, how how we would have personally have loved to go to the US and go through that, particularly that university program. And if you got school, then even better. But so you got an athlete that's gone through, let's say, the highest degree of training with the most professional. So she's looking up, looking up, looking up. And then you step back and you come come back home, which which is you know you can't take home away from anything. And then that setup, you're not getting that. That's a ha- that's that's tough. But that's it's really what, really tough. What, what I don't get understand, like for us from the outside, it seems seems logical that you would communicate with other mm. other members of your team. You know, ah, uh, yeah, uh, you know. Oh, Julie's got a, I don't know, forgive my terminology, Julie's got a speed session um, tomorrow and the S&C touch, oh, I'd watch it, she was smashing the bench press earlier or something, do you know what I mean? But there's got to be that dialogue, so, you know, if you rock up to training and you're absolutely goosed from lifting the day before, then... But let's let's face it, and let's call a spade a spade. Luxembourg is far from mm. that, so <laughs> far away. I mean, look, we don't even have a proper physical education programme in our schools. Let's just <laughs> when I'm talking the the, the primary school, Liz, you know, Lazap is not where it. Okay, Lazap is is a is a good system, let's say, or is a good they're, they're promoting sport, but they don't even have the, enough resources, enough teachers to 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 get, to get these kids. You know, the, the the kids can't even don't even know who the fastest over sixty meters is. They don't even know who can throw a tennis ball the furthest. I mean, what I would call basic. They don't even know who can skip the fur, the, the the longest. What I call Basic, basic, basic fundamentals. Mm. So you change coaches, and then you so, know that. To be fair, I've got a lot of props for that because to be able to actually go, yeah, I want to, want to change it up for for whatever reason. You know, there's, you know, you don't have to divulge any of that. Of course, you don't. But you've you've made a change. Uh, you know, to see if the grass is greener on the other side, and then obviously you've been then training away. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite open. I understand now I've had a lot of experience in swimming. I've had around 20 plus coaches in my whole swimming career, which is a lot more than most people. They usually have around five or so. But because of the US, there were so many changes and I got to see what's out there. Now, in Luxembourg, like we said before, it's extremely old school. We know swimming as doing your... 5 6k a practice doing that twice a day doing your laps but there's so much more to it here like we work with equipment we work with resistance stuff in the US it's so much more advanced and more specific whereas here they value the quantity so much instead of just doing quality yeah 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 and it's just the meters do your meters make sure you swim i don't know 50k a week 60 or so the, the 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 distance swimmers it makes absolutely no sense you have a sprinter over here yet we cannot figure out how to train this person properly because we don't have the resources people don't like to see what else is out there but even even from my limited well you know my sports science background if you're a sprinter then your training needs to be certainly looking up at sort of you know 85 90 percent of your capacity you should be training at a high a high intensity because why the hell what's the point in swimming 50k a week if your your sole job's to swim 100 meters as quick as you can you know it's not it's not relevant so even from the outside again i don't know the ins and out of Mm. of of swim training and stuff like that but it seems 
Yeah. But again, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people get stuck in their ways and they have their own method and... Yeah, and I, I, I'm I'm totally fine, but I think we're, we're at a point where me as an athlete, I know my body, I know what it needs, and I'm obviously open for new things and trying stuff I've never done before. No problem. You can tell me anything. I'll do it. If you explain to me why I should do it, what's the purpose of it, I, I'll do it. But there's just this lack of interest to try something else I feel like over here and at the end of the day I just got to a point where I was extremely frustrated with not just this old school method of training but just also the support and the recognition from our country which is absolutely non-existent in my my career and then the financial part so to me there was a point I was in a training camp with my coach and Everything was going well, and from one practice to the next, I said, you know, you start to think about everything, and you say, what's even the point at this moment? Like, I'm trying to qualify for the Olympic Games, yet I'm standing here all by myself, and except for my, my mom and dad and my sisters, I've got nobody behind me. And Tokyo was extremely, extremely disappointing for me. I... Worked my butt off for a, a very long time. I was 12th in the world in 2019. I had really high expectation and then it all crashed, pandemic hit, and there was no support. So I was by myself and at the Olympics I competed and the results weren't good. Uh, I, I will admit that my times were very far off, yet there was nobody there to support me and to help me get through this. And... At the end of the day, I said, well, right now I'm training for Paris and I'm all by myself and most likely it will be the same result as in Tokyo and I just don't want to get through, go through that again. I like to have good memories about my sport, about my career, and I don't want to stop hating the sport and not being able to come and see a race or not being able to help the future swimmers improve. I didn't want to get to that point, so I just said to I was very, I'm always very straightforward and honest. And I said, all right, I'd rather stop now. I have good memories. It's all good. And I'm just going to try something new. And that was work. It's a, it's a new challenge. And I love it. It's different, very different comp compared to, to being an athlete. But at the same time, it's something totally different. And working with other people, I'm finding something that I was looking for for a long time. And And again, I still I'm doing I'm I'm in the sports, so I try to give something back. I, I try to explain or uh, make people realize the importance of, of sports because like you said, we have children that cannot throw a ball. We have children that cannot do a jump and these are problems. We're not even talking about kids being athletic. We're just or being the best athletes out there. We're just talking about basic motor functions and so many so many kids don't have it and it's extremely and start it starts at the we call it the grassroots at the very bottom if you're exposed to it from a young age it's so not three kind of fundamentals so it must be quite good to have a little bit of money now because i mean you've got you got a you, you got a you got a job <laughs> yes. the government the government clearly didn't help you out being an athlete no 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 which no is, uh, i yeah. Uh, I now I, I now don't have to worry about living on the streets, which I think my mom would have prevented that. But but yeah, it it was a difficult time. I have to say that I I know that um, I mean, 
it's very difficult to change the thing, these things. There's budgets and all of that. Yet, I don't think it's it's normal. Like I said before, I have an an forty hour week schedule, like everybody else as an athlete. So where's my money gonna come from? You know, we have these rules about where you can spend your money. You always have to prove what you spend it on. Uh, in order to get a certain amount back, then you get don't get the full amount back. So, so just to be clear here, you're you're essentially reimbursed for the money that you spend. Yes, that's so quite interesting. You get a budget according to your. <laughs> quite interesting. <laughs> Sounds bloody backwards to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get you get a budget and you pay for it all, and then you have your receipts and you got to save them all and be very organized with your things and then send it to them and they will reimburse you now that can take months that has taken years even and yet nobody cares who you is know. who is that that it, is, it, is it the is it the it's the ministry of sports so, i'm guessing we have the ministry of sports which we don't really have much to do with them that i i mean yeah they support us all but we go through the olympic comedy and we only communicate with them if there is any communication most of the time the only com- communication that is there is unfortunately about financial things which is extremely sad and i i that's, understand that's ridiculous that's that i'll just sorry I mean, i'll give you an example for for example we there's rules about this budget this budget we cannot send in any uh, any receipts that are related to food. So we know that as an athlete, you spend... The nutrition's pretty... Uh, exactly. <laughs> pretty I mean, uh, a normal person what spends around 1,800, 2,000 calories a day. Now, an athlete, you have Adam Petey over there spending 8,000. You know, swimmers consume a lot. So we eat a lot. And everybody knows that in sports the nutrition is so important we don't go to mcdonald's every day we don't go to burger king or all these things and so what we about, also what about know five guys he does <laughs> <laughs> none of that either <laughs> no but it's so important and we know how much it, it costs it's so expensive the food yet they will not reimburse us for food so if you're training at the if you're training at the cock you don't get to eat at the restaurant for free or anything like no, that. No, absolutely do you? not. This is embarrassing. This is cringe. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, I mean, I was just talking about a, a, let's say squash players. That would be you know if you're in the, I mean, you're a representation of their country. When you go to that, when you go to the Olympics, you are the one holding their flag. That is the biggest. But what here's a question: well, one for of the biggest you. representations you can have. Obviously, to you know, you've now. You know that that chapter, if you like, is 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 finished now, and you're moving on to to no doubt bigger and better things, Julie. But is that something that maybe prevents other athletes talking about it? Is that fear of the, I guess, the repercussions of uh, thing? But I can't think like I, I, it's actually taken me long enough to moan about this. But anyway, I was at CrossFit on. Um, on uh, on Monday night and did this workout. They call it Murphy, right? Oh, I've heard about it. <laughs> Mother of God, I'm, mate! I'm walking around, I'm walking around the office like a velociraptor at the moment. But yeah, not that anybody cares. But you have to run a mile, 100 pull-ups, uh, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then run another mile. And I did it in about an hour. And mate, like 
you know, just to give this some context, that's a tough, that's a tough training session. We've all done tough training sessions, but this idiot then had to go and coach for three hours after that. And I've been absolutely ruined yesterday and today. I've been no use at all. And that just sort of gives you some context is if you're you're training, if you're training like a, you know, like a machine, as they say, you know, everyone knows recovery comes down to two things, food and sleep. That's what it is. And if you've got kids, you ain't getting any sleep. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for, for that not to be taken into consideration, there's so many things we used to you used to do Jesus after training, go and eat a full chicken at Nando's. They need a Nando's out here, actually. But anyway, we're not getting to that. For um, those that are uh, listening on the radio at 10 o'clock on, uh, what's, on Thursday morning, it's a shame because you're not seeing Scott Brown for the first time in 98 shows. He's sitting on his... Yeah, I'm uh, sat on a chair. <laughs> <sat> on his, <laughs> and this is the first show that he it, he's doing that. Yeah. Tapping out, mate. Gee whiz, you ta- you've tapped out, all right. I'm not um, ninety. I'm ninety-eight by sitting on your butt. Um, can you give us? Can you show me the the arm extension? No, I can't do it. You can't do it. I you can't you, watch you, this. You can't. This is bad enough. You can, so you can't. So your arms are almost locked. So they're like that's a comfortable position for me. So the right one, I can sort of get to. Oh, which I can feel is pain. I've got to be careful. I can't swear. It's not eight o'clock yet. <laughs> and then this one, the left one's really bad. Like. Oh, that hurts. He's got the shapes as well. It's like a slow motion robot. It's like a slow motion robot. <laughs> Happened to you? You've had, you've had, you've had that one, Julie? In oh, the, in yeah, the, uh, yeah. I've been sore oh, so many times, so many days. I can't even count it. The pain, it's just... It got to a point where it's just normal and we couldn't complain about it because you just keep going, right? The next day, everybody feels like Scott and... Can't say anything. You just gotta keep going. Now, is this from tra- is this from training or is this from after the NCAA uh, after party? Uh, <laughs> no, no, mostly. Even though as athletes we're not the best partier, but this was about this was about the sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've only ever had that once, Scott, and that'll probably be the last time I ever had that. Yeah, well, I, f- I feel. Uh, I look, feel mate, feel I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you. We had a load of uh, domestic sport to get through, which we're not going to get through tonight. But Julie, we're just going to keep going because I absolutely love it. Um, the one thing I am going to say is this weekend, though, obviously because I'm a rugby nose, um, and uh, this weekend we had the second RCL um, Ladies' Day. Um, obviously their first one was a great great success Uh, it was on May the 14th so on Sunday and it was dedicated just to girls lots of fun and for the second time they had over 50 women down aged from between 7 to 60 years old up at Boy Conan the weather was banging the Minister of Sport George Engel who we'd love to get on the show and talk about a few bits was there with the President of the the, uh, FLR Jean-Francois Boulot and also the president of um, RCL, El Paolo, uh, who was a former guest on the show as well. They had representatives from the Luxembourg female national team as well from the Belgium national touch team who came to try and get more of the ladies into sport. Um, one of the attendees said, I love how friendly and welcoming and inclusive everyone is. Great to hear. And thanks to all those who've been involved in that, the social community, the community project committee, former guests as well, uh, Julia Iannucci and James Rauter and JP Morgan, who I believe have been 
pushing that as well. I so saw James played. with a picture of uh, near the sports minister. Yeah, he, he loves he, he loves himself a photo up, dump. Didn't he? He, he had his chest up, all he, gunned out. He he loves a photo dump, you know. But uh, can I just jump in? There was a quick a, a point that I raised early on about Lazare. You can, Nathan. You can jump in. there. So I'm going to jump in, and it's Nicole Kuhn de Centre, who is the president of Lazare. Now she spoke with Frankie Hibbert, RTL um, uh, commentator, and mentioned uh, she mentioned that both in the nursery and in the foundation more needs to be done or just get your kids get to come to little yeah. lions and you she know? also which is Sunday quite mornings. which is what we just talked um t- <laughs> so I'm allowed mornings. to do that yeah. on Saturday mornings. she also raised the question of is it political little <laughs> you're naughty you're going to get in trouble for that my, yeah. my, my, my friend but she said the lack of movement and motor skills um, deficits and many children are getting bigger and bigger um, yeah, yeah, which, we, which we which we know it's happening in several places crashes maison relays the schools the family even in the training of educators and teaching staff how can we get ahead at the moment which we've just uh, tapped on the head just, just one thing you said there I think uh, I remember hearing a story I'm not sure if you told me it but you have like we are we are spoilt in Luxembourg with the facilities that are available. I would argue that there aren't enough rugby pitches, but we'll not get into that. You know, but there is a lot. We are spoilt for choice out there. And I think it was you who was telling me that basically a group of lads had rocked up to play on one of the football pitches, the oh, artificial, it. and they were basically, you know, ushered off. Or the Because they hadn't 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 booked it. And it's like Go anywhere. All the all yeah. the all the running tracks and pitches are uh, all the, like the yeah. the Astro. We call Astro two, if not the four G pitches. Yeah, official. They're, yeah. they're all they're all padlocked up. Yeah, and it's just it's just weird that you you, so you talk about trying to encourage sport, but all ah, all yeah. the best, all the best. You know, you look at the um, let's let's use football as the example. You know, the best countries in the world: Brazil, Portugal. They ain't locking up the football pitches. Do you know what I mean? They're open grounds. They want the kids to play. It's that unstructured sport, you know, getting bums on seats, getting more, the more and more kids you can get playing, then that's all going to funnel through uh, to, uh, to to your different teams and such, isn't it? Yeah, if we're putting a lock on the... On the- <laughs> around our fields, yeah, and I think what, that's, what message is that sending for me? That's a that's a big, you know, we're, we're sort of more concerned about how these pitches look. I'll give you an example. I teach over at St George's. Do you know where St George's School is? So behind St George's School, there is a football pitch. Okay, and there's a, also a gym there where Julian Hanks trains. They do their that's where he trains with all the powerlifters that, and stuff. And that's where the European Championships. And there is a year. pitch there, and I promise you, I have been teaching at that school. Okay, for probably when I've been there five years now, and I have never seen that pitch used during the day, and it it looks like a carpet, mate. If I took you out there, you'd be like, "Oh, that's some track." Love to get the rugby boys out on that and chop it all up, you know. <laughs> but it's like, why is there this? It's almost like everyone's very protective of what they they have. There's there's no communication, as you said. There's no sharing. There's no there's very little of helping each other out, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Prime examples tomorrow. Um, you is a bank holiday, so all the you know Cessange that will be closed. That won't oh, be open. So, so those gates won't be open. So you won't There's be able to go up and kick up a there, ball. Rugby pitch up there, football pitches up there. That's all shut down. There's an athletics bit, lacrosse go up there. That will be all closed down. So you, there's, so there's no ability to go, which is then that's the main domain of Luxembourg. I'd almost for badness go and climb over the gate and start kicking a ball over there just to get chased. The thrill of getting chased. You can't beat it, can you? <laughs> Rolling but, back the years, yeah, but, huh? Uh, 
but there's nothing quite like free play. Yeah, right? you learn so no, much during no rules. Yeah, I think it, we've talked about this before. I used to love it. Right, lads, we're meeting up at uh, the playing fields. Yeah, he'd be eight on eight and play rugby. No referee, just go full noise and knock lumps out of each other. Football was the same. We used to, there was a park, the local park down where I grew up, it was called The Dump. It was actually a dump. Um, but then it was obviously, you know, flattened and they put a set of swings and it, it didn't matter what part of the village you were from. You'd come down, even up the teams and everyone, everyone cracks on and that was... That's what it was about, you know. In 1994, was my last year of school. You weren't even born there, were you? <laughs> 1994 was my last year at, at high school. Jesus we decided... <laughs> Probably don't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be people there that are born earlier than, other than when I was listening to the show. However, we decided that we we're going to play rugby league, not rugby union, and we were a rugby union school. So we decided we're going to play a game of rugby league. We're going to do a, a series like the State of Origin, Whatever whatever side of the town you were on, you would play against. Who would act? Just a, a, a big three-match game. We needed a referee. So we asked the school, and the school said, no, no referees. So you know who we asked? The mayor. The mayor was a rugby referee. I bet he said yes. And he was a rugby referee. He refereed a famous match between Auckland and and, uh, and, and Canterbury, a, um, a Ramfurly Shield match. And he refereed the rugby league match for us and found the park because we weren't able to use the school grounds. Brilliant. You just wouldn't get it. Just it just wouldn't happen. We're so oh, we're black so, and white days. You we're, know, we're so consumed with health and safety and upsetting people and stuff like that. It's like just let kids go out and be kids. I get that there are uh, dangers. That's just uh, yeah. There's dangers out there and in, in all forms. I get that, but. Um, I tell you a film to watch now. Normally it takes me, I don't take as long as this. I was watching the a film with Bex the other night there. Have you ever watched The Sandlot? No. Right, that's your homework. Okay. Okay, <laughs> go and watch The Sandlot. And it's basically about these kids who live out in the sticks in America. And all they do is about a new kid who moves to the, the area and they meet up and they play baseball. Right, and they meet up every day, and they do the rounds, and they go, and the, the whole story is about there's this giant dog, but if they hit it over the fence, the ball's gone, and then finally they can, you know, they confront the dog. It's an absolutely brilliant film, but in its essence, there's a there's a scene in that where the kid rocks up round the house and knocks on the door and is going, "Yeah, we're going down." He's like, "Yeah," and he just shouts in, "Mom, I'm going out. I'll see you whenever." And then off they go and play baseball all day, and that—that's all they do. They, but they don't even keep score. They just play. They just play. They just play, 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 um, and they absolutely, uh, absolutely love it. But yeah, if you're listening, well, in, go and watch the Sandlot. And the best thing about it is, you'll watch this and you'll absolutely love it because it's very some of the stuff that happens in the film. You're like, oh, you can't do that these days. But there's all this, all these one-liners and stuff, and the film is that highly regarded by the MLB in the Major League Baseball on the anniversary of it I think it was the 25th anniversary or something they basically got nine superstars from the MLB to all go down and actually play a baseball match where um, where this, the film was actually filmed and they're all like oh yeah 100% like not even you know don't we're not getting paid for it yeah I mean if it's a sandlot everyone knows a sandlot like but yeah absolutely brilliant and that's that's sport at it's best isn't it where we just goes back to doing it as a kid why because you you love swimming you love swimming because you love going fast you know you love going fast and beating someone you know 17th of May 2023 is a day of new beginnings Scott Brown sitting on his bum for the first time and it took him six minutes to the hour to bring out a story about movies well actually that, <laughs> is, <laughs> that is a that <laughs> is a first I, I wrote down another note here um 
just coming to the end of this full swing, the golf um, series on on Netflix. And the reason it popped into my head was because you were talking about if you get a little brown envelope when you win a race or something. The really cool bit is it it tracks these golfers, you know, if it's Brooks Kepka or whoever it might be, but it tells you how much they're winning for these events and stuff like that. You don't want to know, Julie. You don't want to know. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, you know, for the big ones, you're sort of picking up two and a half, you know, two million and stuff. But then it shows you, you know, if you don't make the cup, you ain't getting jacked. Yeah, mm. um, but when they do, when they when they do win, they win. Yeah, big. I mean, they always they're the first to be mean when you don't deliver results. Yet when you you achieve something, there's nobody behind you. I mean, I had that all my whole career. I mean, you can. I was 12th in the world. I didn't get a single message. I get nothing. I quit. I stopped swimming. I got nothing. I was a uh, third at the European Junior Champions. Never got a single congratulations. When I do the social media, I'm going to put here is Nathan and Scott with former world number 12. Freestyle. <laughs> well, you know, actually, when you look at the Instagram of Team Luxembourg, all they post is birthday birthdays. Posts. Birthdays. It's, it's I don't even know my birthday is anymore. Because people want to know what these athletes do we don't have that many we are a tiny country i mean we had 12 people at the olympic games it is not that difficult to let people know how we're doing what, what we're doing. doing exactly and when they're going to be do- when they're going to be doing it yeah because the results speak for for themselves i mean when we compete and we do well and we reach semifinals world uh, world championship finals all that stuff the proof is there that we're doing our jobs, yet all they care about is the football. receipts. Football. Yeah. 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 How much money is costing? I'm going to say uh, thank you very much to you, Julie, for joining us for part one, because this isn't the end of this. We'll, get, we'll, uh, we'll tee <laughs> you up for part two. Uh, very, very insightful, uh, very powerful to hear you talking about your uh, your experiences of... of of coming through the system. We had um, Andrea Barella on, who's, you know, a product of the system in Luxembourg when it comes to football. So very interesting hearing, certainly talking to him afterwards as well. You know, we can't say all the stuff on air, you know. Uh, But thank you so much. Uh, Happy, happy to hear that you've, you know, you've found something you're enjoying and, you know, I've no doubt with your, uh, with your attitude, you'll be, if you're half as successful as you are when you were swimming, you'll, uh, you'll have no problem um, at all. Um, as always, we like to give a huge shout out to the huge army of volunteers out there who uh, make our sporting world tick, Nathan. Yeah, don't forget tomorrow we've got uh, Sam at 6am, steps at 12. In fact, I don't know if we if he is. Is he on bank holiday? He should be back in. I think so. Yeah, Sam at 6, steps at 12, Melissa at 3. And on Sunday, we are looking forward to the basketball player, Julian Hicks. Uh, Julian Hicks? Julian you don't read your nose, mate. It's Jordan Hicks coming Jordan down fresh Hicks. from his championship win with there. She, he uh, unfortunately had to postpone because they were playing the finals, but really looking forward to uh, to getting him on and hearing about his journey and where he is with uh, Luxembourgish uh, basketball. Yeah, we we met him at the cup final. We might yeah. put the microphone up a little bit. But I just want to say a big good luck to all those runners, athletes that are taking part in the ING Marathon on Sunday. On Sunday, is it? Yeah. Very good. Well, we'll be tuning in for that, but... Um, until then thanks Julie it's Cher Cher
Michael van Gerwen. He's on a main data in the world final. And just misses double 12. Over to you, Michael Smith. One man misses. Does the other man get? I've never seen the like. Come on, Spully Boy. Yes, double 12. Let's talk sport with RTL Today Radio.